are just few. Sunday these days, a skeleton crew. Colorful eggs, not many in view. Easter online? Why, who ever knew? Face mask and sanitizer all in tow. All dressed up off to church we go. Families can't gather from high and low. There's social distancing today, you know. Joy and cheer still brighten this day. No sorrow around here, I say, but did it all start out this way? Hosanna, Hosanna, the people cried. Blessed is he, but so many lied. Falsely accused, and then he was tried. Guilty, no, it was for me he died. Beaten and mocked was he by men. Just part of the price he paid for my sin. Tortured and bleeding, how could he win? To a wooden cross nailed. Was this now the end? Where will we go? What will we do? He's dead now, and everybody knew. The crowds are gone, his followers few. Next of kin, his father is who? In the grave now because he is dead. I will arise, he was known to have said. Please don't die, his disciples had pled. But into hiding, the twelve had now fled. Laid in a tomb sealed by a stone. Considered a king but without a throne. Surely now he was all alone. Oh, if only they had really known. It's Easter, you say? No, it's Resurrection Day. Michael, go rescue my son. And with the Roman guards, have some fun. Hell's power, Satan has none. For he is alive, Jesus has one. Hallelujah. Written by yours truly. That's the only thing I've ever... <laughs> haven't published it anywhere, but you know. I'm, I'm a poet and don't know it. No, anyway. <clears throat> Let's get into the story today that I want to tell us and I want us, be, us to be reminded of. And the title of my message today is The Greatest Cover-Up of All Time. The Greatest Cover-Up of All Time. Matthew 28 Let's begin reading in verse 1. After the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders 
and devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. It would have been a death sentence for them. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Now let, me, let me just give us a little backstory here. The chief priests and scribes and religious leaders of the day, they'd been actively trying to get rid of, get rid of Jesus for quite some time. It all started as far back as at his birth. Many of you will remember when Herod ordered that all male babies around the time of the birth of Christ were to be killed because of the threat from prophecies to his own kingdom or his own throne, if you will. You see, the enemies of God were forever trying to get rid of Jesus. They used mass murder of these innocent male babies to kill him as a child. They used curses and accusations that he was demonic to try to discredit his ministry. They used betrayal to capture him. They used injustice to sentence him to death. They used blackmail to get him executed. They used force to keep his body in the grave. And now they use bribery to try to spread a lie about his resurrection. You see, when he had breathed his last breath, Jesus was taken down from the cross, placed in the garden tomb. And then on the morning of the third day, a group of women came. There was an earthquake as they approached. When they got there, the stone had been rolled away. Sitting on the stone is an angel in white garments sent from God. He's come down and caused the earthquake. Christ has been released out of the grave. That announcement is made to the women. Peter and John come rushing back and rush into the tomb and look inside and Jesus is not there. <clears throat> now let's remember back in verse 4 what we just read as the angel appeared. When the angel, when they, the Roman guards, the Roman soldiers, saw the angel for fear of him, the angel, the guards did shake and fall to the ground as dead men. The Roman guards saw the angel. It was the bright radiance of that angel that caused them to faint and fall to the ground. They were probably knocked unconscious. They experienced the earthquake, the shaking. They experienced the moving of the stone. They did experience all of that. And now here go the guards back into the city and they tell all of that to the priests, the scribes, the religious leaders. But the religious leaders refused to believe them. These religious leaders are the same ones now who had said in Matthew 27, 42, let him now come down. From the cross and we will believe him. They said that. They said we'll believe if he comes down from the cross. And here before them is an even greater miracle. He has risen from the dead. But they refuse to believe. On the contrary. The greatest cover up of all time. Was immediately started. 
Now think about this. For generations, those, those religious leaders and those running the religious system of that day, their own prophets that they highly revered prophesied of a coming Messiah. They were looking for, waiting for, watching for a coming Messiah. And they received this report that Jesus has risen from the dead. Undeniable. The report of the soldiers. They were eyewitnesses. Now wouldn't you think at least, and there is no record of this, at least they would say to the, somebody, some assistant priest or whatever, some, some lowly priest, uh, you know, worker or something, go and see, could, could this be? He, he, you saw this? He, he came, he, the tomb is empty, the angel came, there was an earthquake. No, they don't even go and check it out. The depth of their unbelief is staggering. Man, I see so many parallels in American culture today. So many parallels today. No, they didn't even go and investigate the testimony of the guards. They didn't even go to the tomb to check, out, check it out for themselves. They didn't say, well, maybe it's true. Maybe this truly was our Messiah. Maybe he truly did rise from the dead. And as he said he would, maybe we ought to go and see. And they did not. They were so sinful and so stuck in their own unbelief that they would not even investigate the truth reported to them by the soldiers. They refused to believe. Rejecting irrefutable eyewitness testimony of the evidence of Jesus rising from the dead. Wow. It brought shock to them. It brought some fear to them. But it did not lead them to repentance. It did not bring them to faith. The devil had so blinded their minds that they could not believe. They were without excuse though, according to scripture. They were informed about the resurrection. They didn't even question it. They didn't even go and investigate it. All they did was immediately plan a cover up. They said, we can't let this get out. We can't let this get out. We must stop this. Whether it's real or not, we have to stop it. We're not interested in this. We're only interested in preventing people from hearing about it. So we read in verse 12, when they were assembled together, immediately they've got to deal with the fact, the reality that something supernatural has happened at the grave, an earthquake, an angel, the tomb was empty, the body is gone. They knew the disciples hadn't stolen it. Because if they had, that is what the soldiers would have reported. Immediately they've got to deal with the fact that something has happened. Something supernatural. If they allow, though, people to think Jesus is alive, they're going to have a worse situation on their hands than they've ever had before. So the whole city, the whole nation would begin to go after this resurrected Christ. So thus the cover-up began. They've got to lie about the resurrection. Can you believe this? I mean, this is like right in front of them is their Messiah, the promised one. They've been waiting for, and he's risen from the dead. 
And they are not the least bit interested in affirming whether or not it is true. And the greatest miracle Jesus ever performed was his own resurrection from the dead. And they are utterly uninterested in doing anything with that miracle except denying it, lying about it, and trying to cover it up. And unfortunately, the soldiers did what they were told. We just read it in verse 15. They took the money. Their lives were at stake. They could have been executed for allowing the body to be taken or stolen. So uh, their lives were at stake. So they take the bribe. They take the money. The Jewish historian, even a hundred years after the resurrection of Jesus... The, 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 the church historian named Justin Martyr writes these words. He writes this, You Jews selected men and sent them into all the world, proclaiming that a certain atheistic and lawless sect has arisen from one Jesus, a Galilean deceiver whom we crucified. But his disciples stole him by night from the tomb and deceived men by saying that he has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. A hundred years later, Justin Martyr writes those words. That was the story that was propagated for hundreds and thousands, some to this day, obviously, whose minds are blinded to the truth. So what's the point? Why did Matthew include this at the close of his writing? It's here because it is a monumental, undeniable proof of the reality of the resurrection. It does the very opposite of what it was intended to do. It is evidence supplied not by the friends of Jesus, but by his enemies. <laughs> I mean, it'd be one thing for us to only accept the testimony of the, of the believers, the testimony of the, of the disciples and the followers of Christ to the truth of his resurrection. And that would be enough for me, but how much more convincing to accept the unintentional testimony of his enemies in their attempt to hide the truth. They did nothing but testify of it and in a most convincing way. Now, if we only looked at Jesus, friends, we'd see a lot of evidence. I mean, we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they all tell us about the physical resurrection. They tell us about the stone being moved. They tell us about the grave clothes lying in perfect order, folded. They tell us about the earthquake. They tell us about the testimony of the angel. They tell us that there are ten separate appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. First he appears to Mary Magdalene, then to the women, then to Peter, then to the two on the road to Emmaus, then to the twelve in the upper room, then eight days later to the disciples again in the upper room, then uh, then eleven days later, then the seventh appearance Uh, to the disciples, uh, and and, and the eighth appearance to more than 500 in Galilee, then to James, and finally to the eleven on the Mount of Olives as he ascended into heaven. Ten separate appearances recorded. We look at that and we say, that's convincing testimony all by itself. Well, over 500 witnesses, well over ten separate appearances over 40 days. Let's read Matthew 27, starting in verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, 
The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Man, there's something. Wow. Now the chief priests and the religious leaders and the scribes, they, they saw and heard some of these raised back to life people. These are just people. The name, names aren't given, but they were raised to life and came out of their graves alive again. They came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection. They went into the city and appeared to many. When the centurion guard and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. Look at their exclamation. They, they exclaimed and proclaimed at the cross, Surely he was the Son of God. There are many others whose personal testimonies of the resurrection we don't even know about, so much so that the book of Acts chapter 1 says there were many infallible truths by which Jesus affirmed His resurrection. Let's face it, it's pretty convincing that the disciples all believe in the resurrection, who at one time didn't even expect a, resurrec a resurrection. They were now unanimous and unwavering, and they declared it without hesitation for the rest of their lives, and many even dying for their testimony, being martyred. This is really amazing. Very amazing when you consider just a few days before, they didn't even expect Jesus to rise from the dead. They fled and hid in fear and grief. They weren't really expecting Him to rise from the dead. That's why they were moaning and groaning, hiding in sadness and sorrow. What transformed them from cowards who weren't believing into the resurrection heroes that they became? How is it that a group of men who ran in fear from the Jewish leaders when Jesus was taken captive, they run in courage now right to the Jewish leaders to proclaim to them the resurrection. And when the Jewish leaders in Acts 4 tell them to stop doing it, they tell them they can't stop because God told them to do it and they would rather obey God than man. Hallelujah. So what they had become... When just days earlier, Peter is cussing and swearing and denying that he even knew Jesus. Then you see him on the day of Pentecost as he stands and preaches before thousands of people telling the whole population that you crucified the Lord of glory, but he rose back to life again. And by what power had they been transformed? It wasn't the power of their speech wasn't the, they're eloquent or educated or brilliant. They weren't. They were not gifted communicators. They were poor, simple men. What had made the difference? This is what made the difference. The reality of the resurrection and its impact upon their life and upon their faith. They believed it and it forever changed them. And many again would end up laying their lives down because they stood upon the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand that the bodily resurrection of anybody, and certainly the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, does offend human reason. Of course it does. It offends human logic. It offends the laws of nature. 
And so Matthew proves the resurrection by a lie from the enemies of Jesus as well as by the testimony of his friends and followers, too many to even mention in the Bible. Matthew is telling us here that you can take the testimony of his friends or you can take the testimony of his enemies and you're going to come up with the very same conclusion. Jesus Christ was dead, placed in a tomb, but he rose from the grave victorious over death and hell and he lives forevermore. And because he lives, I can live also. Because he lives, you can live also. Because he conquered death, hell, and the grave, you and I can conquer death, hell, and the grave. Yes, Jesus comes. This has been stuck in my spirit, so I keep repeating it. Jesus comes. I mean, the devil comes. Jesus came. The devil comes, Jesus said. Even coming to Jesus to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And I want to read that from John. Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Make no mistake, my friends. Nobody took Jesus' life. Let me say that again. Nobody took Jesus' life. Jesus alone had all power to lay his life down, and he alone had the power to take it up again. You know what that means for you? Despair comes, his peace comes. When addictions come, his deliverance comes. When sin comes, his forgiveness comes. When confusion comes, his direction comes. When hate comes, his love comes. When accusation comes, his vindication comes. When death comes, Jesus came to give us resurrection life. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. He rose from the grave and he is still saying to all who will receive him, I am your resurrection and your life. And if you will believe in me, even though you die, whoever believes in me and lives in believing in me will never die. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is where it gets personal. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with Jesus, with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, believe in your heart. Isn't it interesting what our confession in in asking uh, Jesus to come into our lives, believe in your heart that God loves you, Believe in your heart that you can have a better life. Believe in your heart, what does it say? That he rose from the dead. Believe in your heart the resurrection. 
It's the key, it's the pivotal point, it's the cornerstone, if you will, of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, and you can read it in Corinthians, if, if there were no resurrection, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then just list Christianity where you have Buddhism and Confucianism and, 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 and all the other false religions, Hinduism and all the false religions of the world, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormon, just list them all there if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead then we are miserable we have nothing but religion there's no life in it and no hope for eternal life for us Paul wrote in Romans if you believe in your heart confess with your mouth that God the Father raised Jesus up from the dead you'll be saved but with your mouth I mean with your heart you believe when your mouth confession is made you see salvation is equal to eternal life for us. Salvation is equal to deliverance from sin. Salvation is equal to hope, that blessed hope the Bible talks about. Salvation determines our eternal destiny in the presence of God, in the glories of heaven forever. And salvation belongs to those who believe in the resurrection and who confess Jesus as Lord by that resurrection and therefore identifying themselves with Him. So that's the question. How do you respond to the resurrection? As I said in the very beginning, there are many people who explain it away. They destroy all of their hope of heaven as well as the meaning of life now. And then there are those who believe. They believe because the evidence is clear. The evidence bears out and is strong. And in believing they receive eternal life. You see, that's the message of the gospel, plain and simple. Believe in Christ who died and rose again. There's eternal life for everyone who will believe and follow him. I love the words of the great Easter hymn that I grew up singing. Some of you maybe grew up singing the hymns, the old hymns of the church. <clears throat> and it goes like this, Up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. And the same risen Christ who ascended back to the right hand of the Father is coming again, and he is coming very soon. You cannot look around, starting over a year ago now, at world events, at current events, at social change, at social degradation, if you will, at moral degradation all around us, and deny that the coming of the Lord Jesus is near even at hand nearer than when we first believed and as Jesus was preparing to ascend we read in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and as he said this he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready to see him? Are you ready to welcome him are you ready to meet him if he comes in your lifetime to catch us away to forever be with him and the book of the holy book even closes with that message in revelation 22 verse 12 look i am coming soon my reward is with me and i will give to each person according to what they have done i am the alpha and the omega i am the first and the last the beginning and the end blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to eat of the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. I came to tell you that the same Jesus that ascended is coming back again in the same way. And the question is, are you ready today? On this Easter Sunday 2021, do you know that you're ready? Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you made confession of His resurrection and of his of his divine uh, uh, sacrifice to cover and wash our sins away that's the question if it's not if you can't answer that I pray you will today we're going to pray together in just a moment and I pray if you're watching online if you're in this room that you'll make this prayer I'm going to lead us in very personal so that Jesus Christ becomes your Lord, so that you become an Easter person. We we all become Easter people on this Easter day, if you will, resurrection. We are resurrection people. for We have believed in Jesus, thus we have passed from death into life. If you're in the room today, would you stand with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for the power of the resurrection. It sets Christianity apart from all other false. There is no other religion that is true religion. No other religion. Christianity is the relationship between God and humanity. Personally through Jesus Christ. Thank you Father. Thank you Jesus for your sacrifice. I mean you even use the devil. (laughs) To validate the resurrection. You use the lies of the enemy to validate that Jesus Christ rose on the third day. And nothing will ever change that reality. But I want to ask us right now together. In this room so no one feels funny or uncomfortable in any way. Even if you're at home. We are connected right now together by the Holy Spirit. Would you pray this prayer? Heavenly Father. I ask you to come into my life. I declare that I believe in Jesus. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe he is my Savior. And I need a Savior. Would you wash my sins away? Would you come into my heart? Holy Spirit, fill my life. Thank you for the power to live for you all the remaining days of my life. 
thank you that from this day forward, I am saved. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, that prayer, somebody prayed it, maybe for the first time. Somebody prayed it, maybe it has been a long time. They've been away from you. They've been living unto themselves. But today, on this Easter day, on this Resurrection Sunday, they prayed that prayer and everything changed instantly because we are saved by faith. By faith, they have prayed this prayer. You became their Lord and Savior. And if you're in the room or if you're online and you did pray that prayer, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you prayed that prayer in a way that has changed you, that you know something changed. Would you text the word life? Text the word life to 561-232-3992. We want to minister to you further. We are so restricted to do that up close and personal in this room. But whether you're in the room or online, you just prayed that. You know Jesus became your Lord. Or possibly He became your Lord again. You were backslidden away from Him. But now you've prayed and He's come to restore your faith. Text the word LIFE to 232-3992. That'll come right to me, and I want to have the opportunity to reach back to you. Well, with that I say, let's say what they used to say in the early church. According to church historians, they would say, he, that, uh, like I'll say, He is risen. You all say, He is risen indeed, and we'll do that three times. You ready? He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be dismissed.